I want to get right into this message this morning. I'm going to start with a story also. This one's true. <laughs> and I'm asking the Lord to bless and anoint this word. I consider myself to be a minimalist in many ways. But there are two exceptions. For instance, I have a lot of clothes. And I have a lot of kitchen items. I have a point to this, so if you can stay with me for a few minutes. I really like these things. But in my defense, I purge my closet and my drawers often and donate them to other people or to charities. But I like things that have dual purposes, that perform well for what they were intended to do, but that can also be used in multiple ways. For instance, some dresses can do double duty and span multiple seasons by adding a light sweater, or in the fall, maybe a denim jacket, as a design element. Or in the kitchen, long-handled spoons, like this one. Stainless steel, long handle spoons. It can not only drain off the liquid as you're serving green beans to your guests or to yourself, but it can make the best gravy roux if you use the one with the holes in it and a stainless steel one because it can handle the heat as my wonderful mother-in-law taught me to do. The problem is that in this season of my life, I have a few too many. I don't really need four stainless steel spoons. In the book of Isaiah, and I'm going to briefly give some background between chapters 6 and 10, and then we'll land in some scripture that we'll read together. God had dual intent when he had the children of Israel, uh, if you recall, in chapter 6, that's where Isaiah had the vision of God, high and lifted up in the temple. And he saw the train of his temple. And God asked Isaiah, who can I send to warn the people? And Isaiah said, Lord, here I am. Send me. I'll go. So God gave it, Isaiah, the first word of prophecy to give to the children of Israel, to the northern kingdom of Israel. And that first word, if you want to read along, chapter 6, verse 9, went like this. Yes, go and say to this people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of this people. Plug their ears and shut their eyes. That way, they will not see with their eyes, nor hear with their ears, nor understand with their hearts, and turn to me for healing. What an odd message. How confusing. But in chapter 7, verse 14, Isaiah gets more clarity from the Spirit of the Lord on the meaning of the message. And he says, 
Yes, but the Lord is going to bring hard things on you. Be prepared for this. But within those hard times, you will have hope in God. For without him, you have no hope. Isaiah told him in chapter 7, you will suffer things because of your sins of disobedience. You will be invaded by the dreaded king of Assyria, but herein is your hope. The Lord will give you a sign. You can cling to that sign and you will know that you will prevail and you will see the victory over your enemy. And then God gave Isaiah the key to the dual intent of the hardness to come when he gave him this word in verse 14 with the hope in the sign. He said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive, and she'll give birth to a son, and she'll call him Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. The hope was the sign itself. Then moving on to chapter 8, again we hear about the scary invasion of Assyria. But even in that invasion, God assured them that through the prophet, if they would turn their heart and turn their trust to him, he would deliver them. He said in that message, don't give in to fear. Make sure that the Lord of the heaven's armies that he is the one and only who is able to deliver you. Make sure that he is kept holy and sacred in your lives during this time of testing and hardness. He said to preserve the teachings of God and trust in those teachings that you learned aforetimes. Don't look to the world for comfort. Don't look for your own information. To, uh, to the world for your information or for your guidance. He said, don't consult the mediums and the spiritists of the world. They only contact the dead and they walk around whispering and muttering to themselves. But look to your God for your guidance, for he is the only one who will hear you. Chapter 9, God gives words of comfort through the prophet. So now they've had hope and trust and now comfort. He says that this time of darkness is going to be dark. We've heard this. And despair not because it will not last forever. The lands are going to be humbled, but in a time coming very soon, they will be filled with the glory of God. Verse 2, during this darkness, he told them that the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, the light will shine brightly. And you will enlarge the nation. While you're in this darkness, your land's going to grow. You're going to see the yoke of slavery be broken and the heavy burden will be lifted off the people's shoulders and you will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. 4 verse 6, 
A child is born to us. Here we are again with the sign. A child is born to us and a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And his government and its peace will never end. And he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. The world's greatest hope, the child that was born to us just like the prophet said, Jesus. Sounds a little bit like a Christmas message, but it's not. It's a message of hope. It's a message of trust. It's a message of comfort and total dependence upon him, even during hardships, even during testings and trials. Even when you come into church early this morning and I'm carrying everything and I had my water in my hand and my, my Bible and my notes and my water turned upside down and went all through the pages of my notes went down into my bible all down the front of me even then even then there's hope and there's comfort in him philippians 4 6 and 7 and by the way if you ever get in that situation the microwave dried them out really nice and one minute and 30 seconds each page dried it out Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, not even when you're, and by the way, I've ordered a new one that doesn't leak, that can't turn over and leak. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and when we do that, here's the promise to us. That the peace of God, which passes all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Does it mean that we can have peace and that Christ will guard our hearts even when we hear things on the news that we know we've been lied to about just about everything in the last two or three years, it does. Does it mean that even when we see every law that we've depended on in our lives to keep us safe, being broken and evil running rampant, that there is hope and trust and comfort and total dependence in God? It does. Does it mean that we should ignore these things going on? No, it does not. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9 tells us, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. It wasn't Israel's time then yet either. They had to go through the testing. They had to go through the hardship to learn who their God was. They had to be totally dependent on him. Peter says that God will exalt us at the proper time. Cast all your care, all your anxiety on him because he cares 
for us. But be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But verse 9, here's our hope. Resist him. Stand firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by other brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, verse 10, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, strengthen, and establish you. At no time has God withdrawn one of these promises. At no time has he said, these are not for the church now. At no time has he said, I'm taking away the comfort. I'm taking away all the things that I've promised you. That has not happened. His word will sustain us now. He has dual intent at times. Today in our set of current events, events, the things that are going on, because it tests us. Do we really have faith in him? Do we put all of our hope in him? And have we come to a place of total dependence on him? No matter what. Are we at that place in Christ? No matter what. I've been through some no matter what. This week has been a no matter what week. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 assures us that no matter what happens, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in the time of trouble. And therefore, we will not fear Even though the earth should change, even though the mountains shall slip into the heart of the sea, and even though its waters shall roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride, still our God is our refuge and our strength. You know, I feel like it would be so good sometimes if the Lord would just listen to me and let me tell him, here's what, it, here's what you should do. It would be so easy just to do this. But I don't take into consideration his dual intent for me, that I have to walk a certain path for him to hone that place in my heart that depends only upon him. Nothing else matters but being in that place. The psalmist David wrote in Psalm 124, I love this part of scripture, if it had not been for the Lord on our side, these evil ones would have swallowed us up. Alive, he said, but blessed be the Lord who has not given us to be torn apart by their teeth. For our soul has escaped 
as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. And our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Don said it right. This is a just a passing through place. This earth and this world as we know it today is just preparing us for what is to come. The tests, the trials, the hard times, the hurting, they do hurt and they are hard. And sometimes like David, we may think it's gonna swallow us up whole. It's gonna tear us apart with its teeth. But he sees the other side of the intent and he knows that we're gonna be ready. We're gonna be ready to meet him. He will have done the work in us and that our faith remains strong in him. This week has been very hard. Physically, it's been really a hard week. And I said, Lord, I almost feel like it doesn't even matter now what happens. One more step closer to meeting him. One more step closer to getting out of this race is what Paul the Apostle said, I will gain to be with Christ. Amen? I will gain when I have been promoted from this life to that life with him. Will you stand with me this morning? Despite crunchy pages in my <laughs> notes, despite getting soaking wet this morning, despite having a very difficult week, and believe me, I'm not standing up here as though you haven't had a difficult week. I know each and every one of you faces things that are far greater than what I have. Let's ask him to show us a little bit of his dual purpose. Give us the hope and the strength and the trust and the, the knowledge that we're in that place with him that nothing else matters. Oh, Jesus. He told us that the hope is that we can resist the devil and that he will flee from us and that we can put our total trust and hope in him. I want to see that dual purpose become evident in my daily life to know that I am in the place where the Lord would want me to be, spiritually, physically, all of it. And that his hand is knitting it together for my benefit in the end. Father, we just thank you this morning that you've given us hope. You've given us strength and you've given us the ability to trust in you, Lord, even when we don't see dual intent, even when we just think we have too much clutter, too much stuff, too much noise, too much of ourselves going on and not see enough of you, Lord. 
I ask you, God, to reveal to us the dual intent of how you're making us over to be more like you, of how you're filling us full of the gifts of the Spirit and how others can see and feel and know you through the demonstration of those gifts in us. For that's what it is about, Lord. You told us to love one another. You told us to shine our light. Let it shine so that others can see you through us. Oh, God, I resist that feeling of I'm not good enough and I'm in a mess this week and I can't do it because... Oh, no, Lord. As Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me, even if the message is confusing, even if the message is hard, Lord, you give hope and strength and comfort. Oh, that we may be fully and totally dependent upon you. And we ask today, oh God, that you be with our loved ones who aren't here with us. God, give them strength. Touch Sister Melva, Lord God. Be merciful to her and her family, to Dave, Lord Jesus. Give them comfort and understanding and strength to Sister Watson today, Lord. We ask all of these things in the mighty name of the Son of God, who was the hope given to the world, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat>